it is the last chapter in the book of Revelation 22. What are the messages or, and the warnings that God chose to conclude his book, the most important book ever written, which has the very words to eternal life? Well, we will analyze the final chapter of God's Word on this edition of End of the Age. Well, where does it all culminate? Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible. We're going to be analyzing this final chapter of God's Word on this edition of End of the Age, but I've got to start back in Revelation 21, and I'm going to just hit some highlights of that chapter, and then we're going into Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 21 reveals the new Jerusalem that it is the bride of Christ or the church. And we also learn that there are two Jerusalems, the physical Jerusalem located in the land of Israel and the spiritual Jerusalem being constructed as God gives birth to his church. He's still establishing his church today. Throughout the chapter, God is describing the new Jerusalem to John. And he says this, and this is just a few highlights. He tells us that the church is the tabernacle of God. In the great sermon preached by uh, the first martyr, Stephen, just before he was stoned, you remember that he said in Acts chapter 7, verse 48, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Also, the one escorting John here says, I will come, John, I will show you the bride. Now, remember, I'm going through 21, just skimming it, and then we'll hit 22. So come, John, I will show you the bride. And we we come to the central purpose of Revelation chapter 21, and it's verse 9 and 10. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, John, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now, when Jesus promised to show John the bride, the Lamb's wife, he showed him the holy Jerusalem. In this scripture, we have absolute proof that the bride is the holy Jerusalem. Go through Revelation chapter 21 and you'll see what I'm saying. Third, in this chapter, the new Jerusalem, he's describing the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem has 12 gates. The new Jerusalem has 12 foundations. The new, uh, the symbolic measurements of the new Jerusalem. 
also the new Jerusalem, the church would be adorned with precious stones and, and of course, streets of gold, as it were, transparent glass. Also, there's no sun or moon in that city. Jesus will be the light thereof. The gates of the new Jerusalem will never be shut. So there are many descriptions in Revelation chapter 21 of the bride, the church, the new Jerusalem. Well, this brings us to the final chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And there's a recurring theme here. Behold, I come quickly. Are you prepared for the soon coming of the Lord? It's of utmost importance. It's of eternal consequence. We've got to have our name written in the Lamb's book of life. John continues here to describe the... Remember, we're coming out of Revelation 21 into 22. And John continues to describe the new Jerusalem. And in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, he says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. You know, when Jesus met the woman at the well, you remember the story. It's back in uh, John chapter 4, I think verse 10. He asked her for water to drink. She questioned him, asking, asking her for a water drink since he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. He answered her in John 4, 10, and he says, um, the Bible says, Jesus answered her and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it was that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus explained further about the living water in John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. The water he wanted her to draw out of the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus also spoke of the living water on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in John 7, verse 37 through 39. He said, in the last days, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he, of course, of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It wasn't poured out until Acts chapter 2. Jesus explicitly stated the living water was his spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost. As verse 39 explains, at the time he spoke of the living water, it was not yet given because this, his spirit only became available after he was glorified. Revelation 22 verse 2 goes on to describe the tree of life, which grew beside the river of life. And we first see the tree of life in the midst of the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were created. Once they disobeyed God by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they were forbidden from eating of the tree of life, lest they should live forever. 
You know, to the saved individual who will dwell in the new Jerusalem, be part of the church, they will be given open access to the water of life and the tree of life. The tree of life is described in Revelation 22, verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded their fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So, it's very important that we understand this is the culmination. This is the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. We're analyzing it today. What a chapter it is to culminate the Bible. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume 1. Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world. We will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. Notice that the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations. Well, this is simply reminding us again that there will be no sickness, no pain, and no death in the new Jerusalem. Revelation 22, verse 3 and 4, it provides more information about the wonders of the new Jerusalem. And the Bible says, and there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. When this passage says there will be no more curse, it is because Jesus bore the curse for us. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And this passage also reveals that we will be the Lamb's servants and we will serve Him. We will have access to His presence continually. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Revelation 22.4 continues by saying that we shall see His face and His name shall be in our foreheads. Jesus' name is placed on, in our foreheads when we are baptized in his name. John concludes his record of the vision of the New Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. He says, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Don't you want to be part of the new Jerusalem? I want to be part of it. I know that. And I'm doing everything I can to live for the Lord so that one day when that trumpet sounds, my feet will leave the ground and I'm going to be part of the new Jerusalem. That's my goal, folks. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're working towards and doing our best to share the gospel of the kingdom of God so that others can prepare themselves for this time as well. Just imagine no need for the sun or electricity or for any artificial light at that point. For we will dwell in his presence and he is the light. And finally, we are reminded again that we shall reign with Jesus Christ forever and forever. The Bible says world without end. In Revelation 22, we, will, we, we, we hear that the admonition of God himself as he issues his final words designed for those of us who live in the end time, the day of his return to the earth. So the Lord has things to say to us. He has messages. But then we're going to see a little later on that he has a warning for others. Now, as we talked about, and we've, we've actually learned, the, the Bible tells us in chapter 21, the first five verses of, and leads into Revelation 22, the, the first five verses of chapter 22, they continue to describe the, the glories of the new Jerusalem. And then this final chapter of Revelation, it restates the purpose for which the, the, the book is given. Revelation 22, 6 declares the purpose very clearly. It says, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Now, Jesus said that he sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Our Lord and Savior wants his servants to know what the future holds. You remember back in uh, Revelation 119, the Lord said, John, I want you to write the things which you have seen, the things which are currently on earth 2,000 years ago, and the things which will be hereafter. This is the theme of the book of Revelation. He's showing him things that will come to pass, especially the unveiling of Jesus Christ. You know, our new series, the DVD series that we came out with, uh, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one and two, there's nothing like it on the earth. 
And it's now available. You can order it at www.endtime.com or by calling 1-800-END-TIME. This was created to give understanding to all who desire to know the things that will soon come to pass. Now, in this sixth verse of Revelation 22, we're also told the identity of one of the Uh, of the one who has been talking to John throughout this vision. God said that he sent his angel to show us the things that must come to pass. Revelation 22, 7 gives us the theme of the final chapter of the last book of the Bible. It says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of of the prophecy of this book. Now, many people have have questioned the, the declaration Behold, I come quickly. That it would be, uh, would be made when the book of Revelation was written 2,000 years ago. Why would he make it then? Behold, I come quickly. Well, this scripture is saying, behold, I come quickly. It's proven true for each generation since the book of Revelation was given to John. I mean, Jesus has been calling individuals home in the ch- part of the church for over 2,000, for, yeah, just around 2,000 years now, right? And it always seems to come too quickly. Remember in James 4.14, it says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is but a vapor, folks. And you know, as the generation, and I'm talking to you now, as the generation who will soon see the physical return of Jesus to the earth, the words have never rung Truer than they do now. Behold, I come quickly. Three times in this closing chapter of the entire Bible, the Holy Scripture, God repeats the phrase, Behold, I come quickly. This leaves no doubt that the overriding purpose of this final book of Scripture is to warn us to be ready for His second coming, His soon coming. After saying, behold, I come quickly, Jesus went on to say, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book, which, which does he, he, what does he mean by this statement? I mean, how can we keep the sayings of the prophecies given in the book of revelation? What what does that mean? A lot of people wonder that keep the sayings of the prophecy of of this book. Well, if you read back in uh, Revelation, what, chapters 2 and 3. There are messages that are given straight from Jesus to the seven churches in Asia. We are told uh, what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong. And, and we should learn from these messages and adjust our conduct accordingly, right? I mean, if we're doing, if, if those were um, diametrically opposed to some of their actions to God then we should look at our own selves and some of our actions and say, you know what, if those were opposed to God then, then they're probably opposed to God now, right? Well, then in chapter, so these apply to our lives. You see what Revelation chapter 22 is saying. In chapter 6 of Revelation, you remember the four spirits, or the first four seals that seek to control the human race. There's... White spirit, Catholicism, the red spirit, communism, 
the black spirit, capitalism, and the, the green spirit, Islamism, they're all revealed. Well, we should understand that these forces are not allowed uh, to control our lives and we don't want to be controlled by them. I mean, think of it. Um, what, what You say, well, what about capitalism? I can understand communism and all these others, but what about capitalism? Well, it is okay to have money. Money's not the evil thing. You just can't let the love of it control you. 1 Timothy 6.10, the Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It's the love that some people have for that. The Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and, per- and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And these are principles that we can learn to live by and things we should be part of in the end time and things we absolutely cannot be part of in the end time. This is part of the book of Revelation and adhering to those prophecies given therein. They're giving to teach us and to help us along the way. In chapter 7, the Bible says, um, you understand God devotes this entire chapter to the great Jewish Gentile revival that will be poured out in the end time. By revealing this revival to us, Jesus is, wants us to prepare to participate in this final harvest just before his second coming. Uh, the church should be in a perpetual state of evangelism, preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. Jesus said in Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. In... And then in chapters 8 through 11 in the book of Revelation, the, the seven trumpets are given to us so that we can understand uh, world-changing events that are happening all around us throughout time, culminating with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told us in Matthew 24, 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So there are timelines and things that we can follow throughout the book of Revelation. It's such a very um, explanatory book. It really helps with our understanding of what's coming just ahead and thing, events that have led up to where we're at now. Helping to build our faith in the Word of God. It's, it's the book of Revelation. The Bible is, but also just the book of Revelation. It's such a living, breathing, alive book. Because we're living through these pages right now, even though it was written 2,000 plus years ago. And although we are living through the events prophesied in the seven trumpets, Jesus told us not to be troubled by all these um, really climactic events. He was saying that we should stay on course and accomplish what he called us to do in reaping the final harvest. That's our job as the church in the end time. There's no other job for the church. The church's job is not, even though this is part of it, the church's job, my goal is not to build the next big building or to build, even though we need buildings to meet in, but that's not, the the goal is to reach the world, reach the world. There's nothing wrong with having a big building. We need buildings to meet in. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
But that's not the goal. The goal is only to have the building because of all the people that are coming in out of the world. The goal is revival, sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. But you don't want them to sit out in the rain, right? So you got to have the building. It all goes together. In chapter 12, we're given an overview of the events from the birth of Christ all the way to the end of the great tribulation. In verse 14 of this same chapter, it is revealed that the eagle, the United States, will stand with Israel against the entire world in the end time. This information should give the United States confidence to stand against the Antichrist and his world government through most of the nation, though most of the nations of the world will be against us. And we're seeing our leadership on a global stage diminish right now. And there are other nations around the world that are wanting to take their place at this global governing table. Well, we know that the powers will eventually swing from the United States over to Europe, not to China. The Bible says that the Antichrist will come out of the revived Holy Roman Empire, which is the European Union. So you see how important it is to understand the prophecies all along the way. In chapter 13, it clearly reveals um, Satan's plan for the last days. We are shown the Antichrist and his world government. It's prophesied about the false prophet and his world religious system and the enforcement mechanism of Satan's plan to cause all the people to worship him. The enforcement mechanism is commonly known as the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, verse 16 through 18. So God exposes Satan's master plan, which is the establishment of his physical kingdom on the earth in this chapter. And it is of eternal consequence to not participate in that. It, you know, it's the understanding of these prophecies, which let us know that we should never pledge allegiance to a world government or its leader, the Antichrist. We should never be part of a huge move towards a world religious system, interfaithism, ecumenism. And number three, we should never, ever place a mark, any kind of mark of identification on our person, anywhere on our body. Never a mark of identification. That's something I will absolutely never do because of the prophecy of Revelation 13, verse 16 through 18. Remember, we're going down through Revelation 22, and it says, you need to adhere to the prophecies in this book. In, Revel- in uh, Revelation chapter 14, uh, it, it's another very important passage coming along that tells us of things that we cannot do. Remember, there are do's and don'ts in the end time, And we'll get into that in Revelation chapter 14. And so I want to say God bless each and every one of you. And thank you for joining me. And in the next session, we will continue with this lesson. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. 
When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. We're continuing in analyzing the final chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And it tells us to adhere to the prophecies of this, Bible, of the, of this book. And in, in chapter 14, we are told, All who worship the Antichrist and receive the mark of the beast will be tormented forever and ever in the presence of the Lamb and His holy angels. Then... Uh, well, the chapter then concludes with an account of the two harvests, the harvest of the wheat and the harvest of the tares. And this gives us Revelation's third account of the rapture of the church and the battle of Armageddon. The wheat of the tares is mentioned in Matthew chapter 13. It's the exact same event in Revelation chapter 14. When the angels go into reap with sickles, it's the same thing as the wheat and the tares. So we've got to be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's a recurring theme all throughout the book of Revelation. Chapters 15 and 16 record the coming wrath of God that will be poured out upon his enemies during the battle of Armageddon. Now, after these chapters, the God interrupts the flow of the book of Revelation to interject his account of his judgment that will be poured out upon false Christianity, this world religious system that will be formed in the end time. Chapters 17 and 18 are devoted to the judgment of, the, of mystery Babylon and all of her daughters, these false churches that will follow into this religious system. And the Lord's warning to all of us is given in uh, Revelation 18.4. He say, hey, hey, come out of her, my people. People that love God and want to serve him and want to do the best they can and, and to be born again, truly to live for the Lord. He says, hey, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues because God is going to judge false religious system in the end time. Revelation 19.7 uh, gives the final account of the rapture and the battle of Armageddon. Um, says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. In chapter 20, 
we see the binding of Satan for 1,000 years, the the 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus and his church and the great white throne of judgment. And then we arrive at chapter 21, and we're told in no uncertain terms, the new Jerusalem is a portrayal of the bride of Christ. The angel said to John in Revelation 21, 9 through 10, come hither, John, I will show, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. What was he showing him? The bride, the lamb's wife. It's a symbolic view. And then the rest of the chapter goes on to describe many of the wonderful attributes of the church. The book of Revelation is finalized when we get to um, in Revelation 22, 6 through 21. And we're told many things in these last 16 verses. It goes on to say that, hey, worship no one else but God. So after seeing all these visions and prophecies given to him in the book of Revelation, John was, he was overwhelmed. Revelation 22, 8 through 9 reveals his reaction. He says, and I, John, saw these things and I heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And then said he unto me, see thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, you, John, worship God. John's impulse was to fall at the feet of the angel that had shown him all of these incredible revelations. The angel immediately reproved him, reminded him of a truth that none of us should ever forget. The angel said, John, you worship God. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan to worship him in, uh, where was it? Matthew 4, I think Matthew four ten. Jesus quoted the words of the first commandment. He said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. So we all must forever remember there is one and only one God. Never worship anyone else. Never pray to anyone else. And now the time is at hand. In Revelation twenty two ten, the angel speaking with John said to him, Hey, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand, John. Well, many people have questioned this statement because the time is at hand. Since the book of Revelation was written what, almost 2,000 years ago, why did the angel say the time is at hand? Well, this, straight, this statement is true because the book of Revelation covers the entire 2,000 years from the time it was written until now, right? I mean, the seven churches to whom God sent messages to in chapters 2 and 3, they existed at the time Revelation was being written. In chapter 5, we're shown heaven before Jesus came to earth as a lamb. Then we see the lamb as it had been slain. These are symbolic visions that John was given. There's not a, a, a physical lamb that, had, that looked like it had been slain with seven eyes and all that. that, that, that it's symbolism, everybody. You've got to understand these things. Afterward, we see the prophecy of the four horsemen, Revelation 6, representing the four spirits that would control the nations of the earth from Christ until his second coming. So we're spanning a lot of time here. And all of these things explain why the angel instructed John to not seal up the book because the time 
is truly at hand. The last minute call. So it appears Revelation 22, 11 through 20 is specifically directed at the people who will be on the earth at the time of the conclusion of the events of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, verse 11 through 12 seems to speak to those who are living right before the time of the rapture. It says, he that is unjust, let him be um, unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, here it is again, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now think of that moment when the last sermon has been preached. We're preaching and teaching the gospel around the world right now. There are thousands of preachers preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. But there will come a time in the near future when the last sermon about the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached prior to the second coming. Think about that. The last altar invitation has been given. The last prayer has been prayed and every person's eternal destination has been locked in. The second coming's right here. The last, no, no, no one else will be given a chance. Right there at the very end. Those who are unjust will remain unjust. And those who are filthy will face eternity in their filthy condition. Those who have lived lives of holiness and righteousness will meet God in their righteous condition. And you know, it's sobering to think about this time because it is at, it, it, it's a time that will come very soon now. Jesus then repeats his warning by saying, hey, behold, I come quickly. And then in Revelation 22, verse 14 through 15, you didn't realize all of this was in Revelation 22, did you? <laughs> There's a lot to it. In verses 20, or, uh, 14 through 15, it, it's almost as though Jesus decides to give one last appeal. He says, blessed are they that do his commandments and that they might ha may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loveth and make a lie. Um, so Deuteronomy 30, 19 it repeats the call made to mankind throughout the Old and New Testaments. It says, I have set before you life and death. This choice, everybody, will be given to every single person on the planet. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. This is a choice that we all have. You can choose eternal life or you can choose eternal damnation. You say, well, I'm not choosing eternal damnation. Yeah, but have you chosen to live for the Lord? The Bible says no man can serve two masters. You can only serve one master. You either cling to one and you're going to despise the other 
Or you'll love one and you'll hate the other. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way, that's the way the Bible is written. You're either going to choose life. You're going to choose to live by the principles of the Bible and enter in when the trumpet sounds and when, when we all go to be with the Lord or you're going to go the other direction and say, well, I don't want to live for the Lord. I don't want to adhere to the principles of the Bible. I don't want to do those things. I'm going to live for my life. I don't want to go to church. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want him telling me what to do. And I'm going to go the other direction. But the Bible says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. And then it goes on to say in Revelation 22, hey, there's the principle of I'm rooting out. I am, I am the root and the offspring of David. Say, well, how's that possible? Well, throughout the book of Revelation, Jesus declares who he really is. I mean, from Revelation 1.8, when he declared, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and was, and which is to come, the Almighty. To Revelation 1.18, where he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Well, who's that? Of course, it's Jesus Christ. And as he brings the, his holy scriptures to a close in Revelation twenty two sixteen, he declares, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Well, how could he claim to be both the root and the offspring of David? Because as almighty God who created all things, he is the root of David. And as the son of God, he is the offspring of David. Isn't this Bible a wonderful book? I mean, I, I love just sitting and talking about it because there's so much in it. And then whosoever will come. Even as the book of Revelation draws to a close, Jesus is still calling for his prized creation, the human race, to come to salvation. That's the entire theme of the entire Bible. You understand the thesis of the Bible, our relationship to God and our relationship to our fellow man in preparing everybody to spend eternity with him someday. He came and purchased a plan of salvation for all of us. And he makes plea after plea, come and be, partake of the plan of salvation. Come and obey the gospel. Be born again. So that way this salvation can be applied to you as well. And you can be saved in the end. I love the Bible. I'm so thankful for the truth of the word of God. That we're not wandering around aimlessly in this life. That the Bible is truly a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Thank you, Jesus. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Now we're coming to the close of the book of Revelation. The entire Bible, the culmination of it all, the conclusion. Revelation chapter 22, 17. The Bible says, and the spirit and the bride say, come, come, Lord. We want to go to be with you and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. You know, this passage is telling us the world that God's spirit is calling everyone to salvation. When the gospel goes forth, it's available for everyone to obey and to have salvation. Regardless, it doesn't matter who you are. Salvation is available to you. You say, well, yeah, but Dave, I, 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 I committed this one sin 10 years ago and um, Satan's just hanging it over my head and a, it's like a, a million pounds on my shoulders. You still have an opportunity for salvation. You say, but yeah, Dave, you don't know what I've done. I did this and I know God couldn't save me. That's not true. Everyone has an opportunity for salvation. It's available to everyone. Nobody's exempted from it. So the bride, the church, is also saying, come, Lord. The, mo the most wonderful message of this scripture is, whosoever will may come. God made his plan of salvation available to anyone. It's not God's will for anyone to be lost. Whosoever will means whosoever desires to come can be saved. If you want to be saved, you can be. Don't let a lie from the enemy stop you from being born again today. You can be saved. Satan holds a lot of people hostage in their mind and won't let them go. For something that happened 15 or 20 years ago or maybe yesterday, it's irrelevant. Let it go. Go be born again. Get in a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Be discipled. Learn how to live for God. And you can make it. It is irrelevant what's your past. You know, it's not how you start out. That's irrelevant. It's how you end up. That's the most important thing. This wonderful plan of salvation, God makes it available to everybody. You say, well, yeah, but I'm a backslider. I was in church and I left church. Okay, come home. Yeah, say, but I, I know, Dave, but uh, I, I'm a, I, I have this thing in my mind. It's a mental block. Come back to church. You can be saved. I've seen thousands of backsliders come back. I've seen people. I, we had a guy, uh, a friend of mine that uh, was a molested as a child and murdered the molester. Guess what? 
God saved him. So I'm telling you, don't let Satan put you in a prison in your mind where you don't think you can be saved. It's a lie from the enemy, folks. You can be saved. Now, you got to let go of all that and you got to stop your sinning. And you got to do your best to live for the Lord, but you can be saved. The promise is for everyone. And what a promise that is. God came and robed himself in flesh and died for us on Calvary and shed his blood for the atonement for our sin. That we may be made white as snow. When he sees you, he sees through his blood and he sees you as a white, clean individual. You say, but yeah, I made a mistake last week. Repent and get up and keep going. You can make it. And then there comes the final warning. Now we're coming right here to the end of Revelation chapter 22. God issues a solemn warning in Revelation 22, 18 through 19. He says, for, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this. So that's the last thing you want to do, right? Get your name taken out of the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, this is a very key point. It is apparent that God did not want the prophecies of the book of Revelation to be tampered with. And he said, if anyone added to the prophecies found in Revelation, that he would add unto that person the plagues found in the book, right? But then he went on to say in verse 19, if anyone would take away from the words of the book of Revelation, that God would take his part out of the book of life. You see, it's a very important truth declared here in verse 19. God warned that a person's name could be removed from the book of life. There are many people who teach that once a person's name is written in the book of life, that it cannot be removed. However, this verse declares the opposite. This is not stating that uh, anyone besides ourselves can remove our name from the Lamb's book of life. However... It is stating that through our own actions, we could cause our names to be removed from the Lamb's book of life, even after they were once written there. Read it. Revelation 22, 19. There's another very important truth that should be learned from verses 18 and 19. Not only should we not add to or take away from the book of Revelation, but we should also not alter any of the scriptures. This is very important. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Every one of us should have a deep reverence for the, the sacredness of God's word. We should never attempt to alter it to fit our lifestyle or to justify something that we're doing wrong. Uh, Psalm 119.89 reveals that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So I, I don't mess with the word of God. I read it and I apply it to my life and I obey it. 
But I'm never going to change one of those scriptures in there. No, I've got too much fear of God to do that. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not messing with that book. That book was, is, was inspired by God. Every verse in there, I'm not going to touch that. Those, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. And so you don't ever want to even contemplate. You teach it like it's written. Don't ever change a verse because you want to, you have an agenda to push. No, no. We're going to teach it just like it says, because this word is like a road map. We're following this road map on the way to heaven. I don't know how to get to heaven, but this book does. And so that's why we follow the book. And if I follow the book, then that shows me how to get there. So very, very important principle right there. And then John concludes this marvelous book in Revelation 20, verse 20 through 21. It says, he which testifieth these things saith, here it is again, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So for a third time in this final chapter, we receive the warning from Jesus that he is coming quickly. And then John adds his own commentary. He says, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And finally, John signs off with his final salutation. He says, the, Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, folks, the book of Revelation was written to be understood. The book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John 2,000 years ago. But it's relevant to us today, right? However, John died not understanding the meaning of what he had written. Remember, a lot of it's written in symbolism. He had no clue about the seven trumpets, the Chernobyl nuclear accident, World War I, World War II, the Iraq war with Saddam Hussein, or Catholicism, communism, capitalism, Islamism. John had no clue about any of that stuff. The world government, the world religious system. This happened because the book of Revelation was not for his time. It was given for the present time in which you and I live just before the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. And the title of the last book of the Bible is Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means revealing or the unveiling. The entire book of, of Revelation is the dramatization of the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the world at the time of his second coming. You know, most of the book of Revelation has been hidden in mystery for the last 2,000 years. And right now, just before the rapture, we are understanding things that have never been understood before. And you know, our new series, Revelation, again, I'm going to mention it. I have to. The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Volumes 1 and 2. It's, it's now available. You can go to www.endtime.com or by calling one 800 endtime to purchase your copies. It's a, a two DVD set, two books that go along with it, very detailed on the book of Revelation. And it was created by my late father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, to give understanding to all who desire to know the things that are soon to come to pass. Are you a pastor that wants to 
finally be able to teach on the book of Revelation, you need to purchase the set. Very important. These things are flying off the shelf right now because people want to know. Give me an in-depth, sort of like a commentary of the book of Revelation. This goes in-depth to many things that you may never have understood before. A lot of people leave the book of Revelation and just say, you know what, I don't understand all the beasts and symbolism. I'm going to leave that alone. But it's meant to be understood. So that's why we created Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volumes one and two. Pick up your copy today. You know, Revelation, it it contains four different accounts of the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the world. Each of these accounts is preceded by an account of events that will lead up to the second coming. It's the structural element of the book of Revelations. Each of these accounts supply a different dramatic view of things that will happen prior to the second coming. And it's as if God couldn't just let the story go once, right? I mean, he had to, he had to tell us over and over. And there's going to be so many exciting things involved in his unveiling that he had to record the events from different perspectives. And each of these four narratives conclude at the same event, the dramatic second coming of Jesus to the earth. So there you have it. Revelation chapter 22. What a conclusion to the most wonderful book that has ever been written on the planet. The book that has the words to eternal life. God gives us specific messages in there about, behold, I'm coming quickly. Make sure you're ready to go. Don't mess with these. Don't mess with this book of Revelation. Don't change one word. Because I'm coming quickly. My plan of salvation is available to all. Make sure you're ready to meet me when I come back. Make sure you have obeyed the words in this book. Make sure you have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel given in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Be born again. Make sure you're ready when I return. Because I'm coming quickly to gather my church. The bride. The new Jerusalem to be with me forever. What a conclusion to the greatest book that has ever been written. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.